Good morning. My name is Catherine Tancon, and I'll be reading the scriptures today. Our first reading is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you all the fa families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Our second scripture today is from the Gospel of John 3, verses 1 to 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe them, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, uh, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength, our rock, 
and our Redeemer. Amen. Today's scripture takes place at night. There's a knock on the door. The door opens, and there in the doorway stands Nicodemus. And Nicodemus has come to see Jesus. It's a bit of a surprise. He's a Pharisee. And uh, Jesus doesn't usually get along with these guys. Plus, he's a teacher of Israel, a renowned scripture scholar, and he's also a ruler of Israel, meaning that he's also a great, got great political power and influence. Now, the reason he shows up at night might be because he doesn't want to be seen with somebody so fringe like Jesus. What's a big name like Nicodemus coming to visit a homeless, no-name rabbi like Jesus? Well, he's heard stuff. He's heard stuff about Jesus and his teachings. He's heard stuff about Jesus turning water into wine. And he's curious. Look, rabbi, he says, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. You couldn't do the stuff you do if God weren't involved somehow. So he's intrigued by Jesus and has come to check him out for himself. Now, if I were Jesus, I would probably just sit back and bask in the flattery a little bit. Oh, oh, do say more, Nicodemus, about my goodness and wonder. But as Nicodemus says, Jesus is a teacher. So Nicodemus has barely finished his sentence before Jesus launches in to a lesson. Very truly, said Jesus says, very truly, I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again from above. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born again from above. So first lesson, God's rule, God's good future, the world of harmony and justice, the way that God always created things to be. You want to see it, Jesus asks, catch a glimpse, be a part of it. You got to be born again. You got to be born again. Now, Nicodemus is a little bit dense as we can tell from what happens next. How can anybody be born after having grown old, he asks. Like so many others in John's gospel who don't quite get what Jesus is saying, Nicodemus appears to miss the point. He kind of takes things a little literally. Of course, nobody can be caught in the waiting hands of a doctor or midwife twice. Duh. Nicodemus, though, as dense as he might seem, he makes a powerful true statement about the nature of life, life itself, even if by accident. In John's gospel, people are often saying the truth by completely by accident. Life for us usually begins with a sense of newness, of possibility. In childhood, every day is a new, fresh beginning. In our teens, we're looking forward to forging our own way. If we start a family, it can be a whole other new horizon. For a lot of us, though, that sense of possibility, that sense of excitement and wonder eventually fades as we grow older and as life progresses. Sometimes we just get tired and cynical from seeing the world play out. We get beaten down by the way things are. Maybe we don't reach the lofty goals we set out for ourselves, or those goals don't live up to our expectations when we do reach them, or we really screw up 
we mess up. We didn't take the opportunities that were given. We, we aren't who we hoped we would be. And we just can't recover and we just can't redo it. A couple of years ago, I was seated in my office with a father who'd lost his son at the age of 28 to an overdose. And he was grieving this early loss, of course, and he loved his son very deeply, but he'd also completely cut ties with this son over his addiction, refusing to see him until he got cleaned up. He ended up ignoring one last call from him, assuming that this was his son wanting money for bail or for drugs. But a week later, his son was dead. And what frustrated him most, he said, was that everybody kept telling him that it wasn't his fault, that he shouldn't blame himself. But what he really wanted to hear was somebody tell him that actually he could somehow go back and fix it all that he could go back and be better and do better, be more loving, more understanding. What he really wanted was a reset button. He was asking if anybody can be born again, but he knew life just doesn't work that way. I mean, certainly there's some amount of healing, recovery, fresh beginnings, reconciliation, of course, of course, of course, but ultimately he was right. There's no true restart in life. Nicodemus has lived long enough to know that in the end, human life only really lives, moves in one direction. And it's to the tomb, but not the womb. Now, the thing about Jesus, though, the thing about Jesus is that he isn't a teacher, you discover, that comes to just reaffirm the stuff we already know. Jesus often challenges Jesus. That's why Jesus is so confusing sometimes. Very truly, Jesus says, amen, 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 brother. We can't hop in that womb a second time. Obviously, what's flesh is flesh, what's spirit is spirit. We're not talking about the natural processes of the human body here. We're talking about the supernatural processes of the Holy Spirit. I mean, don't look at me like I'm crazy, Jesus says. You got a PhD in the scriptures? This is like first semester stuff. You should know this. Of course, nobody can rebirth themselves. Your only chance at a complete restart, the only way anybody can be reborn, figuratively speaking, is by water and the Spirit. Is by water and the Spirit. So according to Jesus, there is another kind of rebirth. One that comes only by water and the Spirit. And there's so much packed into this sentence. You know, you hear echoes of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to the creation of the universe when God's Spirit, God's breath, broods over the primordial waters of creation and then brings forth life. What Jesus is saying here is that the only shot we've got at a true fresh start is by the same spark that ignited the Big Bang. The same self-giving love that hung the stars in the sky. The same source that said, let there be light, and it was so. The only chance we have at an actual rebirth is by the breath and life 
of the one who made us. We not be able to enter that womb again, but we can be born again from above by water and the Spirit. It may not be possible for us, but as the Scriptures say, all things are possible with God. Now at this point you might be like me and you be, might be like Nicodemus who asks, how can this be? Please, tell me how it works. Give me a pamphlet of some kind that I can get some of this new life. I mean, we're talking, when we're talking about God, the problem is that we're talking about somebody who we can't control or conjure. What we're talking about, Jesus says, is the Spirit, which is wild. It blows like the wind in whatever direction she wants. You might feel a breeze, hear the sound of wind chimes in the distance, but you have no idea where it's off to next. You can't bottle it. You can't control it. And this might be one of the most frustrating things about following Jesus, that Christianity is not, at its heart, a religion. Not a system of rewards and punishments. There are no rituals to perform to win favor from the divine, but at its center is a someone who is a radically free agent who we can't control. Like with our first birth, nobody really decides to be born again. It just happens in God's own time. Like the wind, you can't force it. You can kind of just go with it when it blows. We can't force it. We can't bring it on. But the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing is that we don't have to force it. We don't have to bring it on. Because according to Jesus, this new birth has already begun. It's something that is already given. It's already on its way. You know, it's at this point that Nicodemus more or less fades into the background of the scene altogether. I like to think of it as a stage where everything goes black and click, there's a single spotlight on Jesus. We don't even see Nicodemus again until later in the story at all. He kind of just fades. So Jesus is really addressing us at this point. Remember Moses and the Israelites, Jesus says? Remember when they were wandering the desert? Remember how the Israelites were constantly doubting God, disobeying Moses, so that God sent these fiery snakes who bit people and they died? And then remember when God has Moses construct a bronze serpent as a cure? I love the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament for how weird it is. I mean, if we think Jesus is weird, you know, go back to the Old Testament. Remember that snake that Moses constructed as a, as a cure? That whatever, whenever a snake bit anybody, they could just look at the snake and be cured? I came to do the same thing. Jesus says. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Jesus says, so the Son of Man, yours truly, must be lifted up on the cross. For God so loved the world, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's your, you know, the people at the football stadiums with the signs, you know. 
Jesus says that like the serpent in the wilderness, he too has been lifted up for the sake of the world. One of my favorite preachers, Richard Lisher, puts it like this. Here you don't need a teacher of Israel, he says, like Nicodemus or a minister or a professor of theology to tell you what Jesus means. Only two ears and an open heart. God loved and God gave. The greatest pain of birth, rebirth, always belongs to the mother. In this case, God. As the nurse said to my wife during her first delivery, it must hurt. At the very heart of the universe is a creator who is willing to hurt for all created beings in order to make them whole. God creates salvation by the instrument of her own suffering. Like the serpent in the wilderness, Jesus has come to heal, not to reverse the venom of a flaming snake, but to extinguish the fires of sin and death itself. That Jesus in his suffering on the cross and his death and resurrection, God has given birth to a whole new humanity, a whole new world. In Christ, God has wiped away all sin and borne the cost of bringing about a whole new creation, a whole new life, a whole new start, one where every tear is wiped away, where every hurt is healed, where every wicked deed has been undone and everything made new. One that doesn't end with a short, solemn obituary, but a story and a song that reverberates throughout all eternity. We can't bring it, we can't force it, but we don't have to. Because in Jesus, this whole new world is already on its way. That's what baptism is about. It's the sign and seal of our destiny, our rebirth by water and the Spirit. It's who we already are destined to be in Christ. It's already on its way, which means that a new you and a new me, that being born again is already possible. It's not only already possible, it's already here, and it's for you. If we want to see it, touch it, enter it, it's available to you right here, right now, and it's available through simple faith. Whoever believes in him, Jesus says, the kingdoms, whoever trusts in him, faith, it's as simple and as complicated as that. And I know the word, of, the word faith has plenty of baggage, but we're not talking about faith in this or that doctrine. We're not talking about faith in this or that political cause or social issue, not faith in the church, not faith in miracles, nor even faith in the Bible, but faith in a person, faith in Jesus Christ. That there is a God, one who not only loves you, but loves the world, the just and the unjust alike, the wicked and the saintly with the same love. Faith that this God refuses to give us up to a one-way downward dive into the void of the grave, but has gone ahead to overthrow it and empty it of all its power. Faith that God would rather suffer and die than abandon us to the fiery furnace of our own making. 
but has thrown himself in our place, extinguishing that fire for good. Faith that in Jesus, new life is not only possible, but promised, not only hinted at, but handed to us, not only groped for, but guaranteed, stepped out into, like Abraham, who left everything behind to follow God's promise to a new land, here, now, and forever. Believe in him, then the kingdom, my friends, then all of it, all of it, you'll see it because it's already yours. It's already yours. Nicodemus is right. We can't start life over. We can't go crawl back into the womb and give it another shot. Whatever mistakes we've made, whatever opportunities we've squandered, relationships we've screwed up, we can't erase any of it. We can't go back and do it better. We can't do it. But the good news is that in Christ, God can. Because in Christ, God has. A whole new world is making its way for you and for me and every inch of creation. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that the world would not perish but have eternal life. It's more than just a bumper sticker. May you believe in him, and through him, may you see the kingdom of God, receiving life in the full in his name. May you die to the old and be raised to the new. May you, by water and the Spirit, be reborn this day and every day. Amen. It is the wind of God that